And we welcome to our program, a gentleman that I've known for a long period of time. You all know him from our sister station, CNC3, and from the Guardian newspaper. Let's say good morning and welcome to Ryan Beecher. Good morning to you, Ryan. Good morning, Satish, and thanks so much for having me on your program. I think I, I think I owe you an apology because you're apologizing to your viewers for yesterday when I should really be the one apologizing, but uh, Japan is 13 hours ahead and I might have uh, messed that time up. But it, I'm, just, I'm really happy to, to talk to you, as you just mentioned. I've known you for a very long time, and I'm really happy to make my debut appearance on Freedom. It's nice to have you with us. It's, this, this, this is, um, it's, it's quite an interesting development um, about Japan helping us with, with with our waste. Um, when, when I saw this story and, and all the developments, I was like, so as a nation, as an independent nation, we can't deal with rubbish. We are going all the way to Japan for help. What's going on? Well, I mean, it's it's a problem. I, would, I, I wouldn't want to say that it's just Trinidad and Tobago. This is a problem uh, many other countries are facing right now. And it's a, it's a problem that many other countries as well are sending delegations to Japan uh, to look at the systems by which they recycle and to see how best it could be implemented. So, uh, in a in a in a long story short, I would say that uh, landfills across Trinidad and Tobago, landfills across many other parts of the world, are filling up at a rapid rate, um, and and they're losing space. The life expectancy of some of these. Uh, landfills are dropping some were scheduled to be filled by 2040 that's now being filled by 2025 why because the consumption rate especially post pandemic has just screamed it's just gone up and all the way up and in trinidad and tobago the minister of public utilities said a year ago actually this month that our three major landfills are nearing capacity as well so we are facing a bit of a crunch when it comes to Forest Park and Beetham Landfill. And now, where do you put all of the trash that Trinbegonians uh, would put out for the garbage trucks to pick up, uh, you know, almost every morning? Where do you put that trash? And it's a problem, right. Satish, that uh, a lot of people, it's alien to a lot of people because a lot of people don't see it. They put their trash out and the garbage man, uh, he takes that problem uh, somewhere else, uh, to a place that we don't often visit, that we don't often see, but that place is filling up uh, at a very rapid rate. And and the real challenge now is, uh, where do you now, you know, create another landfill, and then when that one fills up, create another one. Uh, so I, I hope you see what I mean. Yeah, I I, I mean I've I've looked at the videos when it comes to recycling across the world and and how innovative some countries have been in dealing and grappling with these. With these problems that confronts everyone you'd be amazed at how much garbage a single household produces um and maybe people sh if if you wanted to, to do your own calculation just count how many bags of garbage you dispose of on a weekly basis and multiply that by four and then multiply that by 12 and you get an idea as to how much garbage really is produced um but let's let's be, before we go all the way to japan and how they intend to help Let's look at a bit at, at what's been taking place here at home. Um, have we made any advancements in the disposal of garbage after after the because we see the trucks line up outside the landfill and everything else, and they go in and they dump whatever. What's what are we doing with our garbage here at home at this point in time? Well, I could tell you that I could tell you what we are not doing, and we are not recycling at a at a rate and at a pace uh, that really would help our own situation in Trinidad and by extension in Tobago. 
Um, we haven't had the uh, policies to back up the will. There are some people and some organizations within the private sector that are trying to move towards recycling and to more greener forms of uh, you know, sustainability. Uh, but we just haven't had the legislation from a governmental standpoint to help these people, to encourage them, to entice them uh, to not only do it, but to also expand on it. So we haven't been doing that very well. We haven't been educating at the rate that we really should be educating. We haven't been educating the people that we should be educating. And when I say the people, I'm speaking specifically, Satish, to our primary school children. Uh, I've, I've long said that... Uh, you know, trying to, to get people my age or your age or older uh, is, a, is a bit of a challenge and maybe even I'd go as far as saying a bit of a lost cause. What I think we really need to be ought to be doing is we really need to infiltrate the primary school system, even the secondary school system, and we really need to start ingraining a new culture of recycling. We haven't been doing that, and that's just education. Uh, you know, for people my age, your age, also a little bit older, we could, we could make them aware uh, we could make them aware of what is happening, make them aware of procedures and, 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 and systems by which we should be moving towards. Uh, I think that it's better for me to answer that question by telling you what we've not been doing as opposed to what we have been doing. And I must, in the same breath, I will say that there have been private sector organizations. It's being led, I should rather say, by the private sector, really. Um, there have been organizations in keeping with their ESG, their environmental social governance responsibilities, uh, they've tried to, to, to move towards greener, uh, to keep up with this green movement. They have tried uh, recycling and they continue to try it within their organizations and it's been going well. In fact, we've done relatively well without proper legislative framework. In the absence of proper legislative framework, in the absence of proper infrastructure, in the absence of uh, you know collection centers, this country has done relatively well to have a 10 to 20 percent participation rate in recycling. Um, you know, we, they, they haven't really had the encouragement or the systems uh, to participate in recycling, but they've gone out on their own and they've done it. And, uh, you know, so we've we've done very little, I would say, to really move in the direction at, at the pace that we ought to be moving at right now. That's 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 an indictment against us. Um, we always seem to be, for whatever reason, playing catch-up with the rest of the world when it comes to these things. And um, I, I, I had the discussion some time ago on the air, and I referenced um, some of what had happened a long time ago. And I went back to Hazel Manning being in charge of, um, I think it was local government. And she had devised a plan where we would move the garbage from Puerto Spain to somewhere else and put it on a truck and, and all of these things. And we would deal with tires, which is a big problem. And uh, fast forward to today, it does not seem as though we've made the progress, as you're suggesting, we need to make. And that's probably why um, discussions like these are important, because people don't see the relevance to it. People, as, as, as you said, you, know, you just put your garbage outside and, well, you're done with that. Um, but uh, we need to take a couple quick messages. And uh, when we get back, though, I want us to focus on, well, what's going on? What's going on in, in Japan? How does Japan intend to help not just us but the world? And can we? Because this is probably one of the most in, uh, important elements of any of these discussions. After all the talk and the conference and the nice pictures that we get from the diplomats and the dignitaries and everybody else, do we really follow through and implement these things? Or are we just, you know wasting time once again 
Our special guest this morning, ladies and gentlemen, our colleague from CNC3, Ryan Bechu. We're discussing the issue of garbage and, and waste and how it's disposed of and some of the other things. All of those discussions and more will continue after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back. It's, uh, what, it's just about 16 minutes before 7. At the top, we've got news, then, of course, our poll. Speaking with us this morning, our colleague from CNC3, Ryan Bechu. Just before we um, went to the break, I was suggesting that maybe let's let's focus a bit because before you know it, the time is going to be um, upon us where we have to end the interview. Let's speak about what's going on in Japan at this point in time and how is Japan intended on helping not just us but apparently the rest of the world deal with this thing yeah um uh, i mean uh, japan is a is, is a broad statement because and i'll tell i'll quantify what i mean by that satish um you know there are cities in japan that are doing it japan is obviously a very big country there are cities in japan that are doing very good recycling work um and then there are other cities that are lagging behind just like other cities around the world just like our country is lagging behind mm. but one of these one of these cities is is a town called osaki town it's south of japan about an hour and 20 minutes flight from tokyo and when you travel to osaki town it's uh, pretty much very much a very recycling friendly town they've got very stringent rules uh, 80% of the waste that is collected residentially, commercially, and also when it comes to the industry uh, are recycled. 80% of it, that leaves just 20%, and you were giving a really good example a little bit earlier in helping people count just how much waste they might actually be producing uh, by their household. So imagine just 20% of that waste actually goes to the landfill. And one of the landfills that they have in Osaki town, it was actually when they had built that landfill many years ago, they thought by 2004, uh, the landfill would be filled. Uh, however, because of the change, uh, because of the change that they had about three decades ago in the way they recycle, the life expectancy of that landfill now has now gone up to 2060. They estimate it would last now another 40 years. This year, they estimated it would last another 40 years, and that's because uh, they have very strict rules. And I was talking to one of the authorities here, Satish, and and, and I said to him, I said, you know, surely. You know, you didn't get uh, an older population to just, you know, bow to this. You know, they didn't just agree to this. There must have been some pushback. And he said, yes, there was a lot of pushback. Uh, but he did say that what they did was that they created the policy uh, where you have to separate your garbage into plastic, uh, paper and glass and other materials. Uh, you know, they also do things like ceramics and, and spray cans and all of that. They've really taken it up a notch. And... It, it 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 really is simple. If if you don't segregate your garbage, then the, the the garbage truck man will just simply leave it behind. He will not pick up uh, things that are mixed. They've also taken it in another direction as well. There is so much wasted food. Uh, we know about that in Trinidad and Tobago. There is so much wasted food across the world uh, that that food is actually again separated. It goes to a facility where it is. Uh, goes into a compost heap and, and within six months you have fertilizers that are back on the shelves being sold so osaki town has really uh taken it up a notch and they've welcomed while i was there a couple of days ago 
there were people from Indonesia, delegates from Indonesia, there were delegates from Bali as well. Uh, they're studying the system by which Osaki Town operates. Uh, but they made decisions and they stuck by it. As one of the officials told me, they were never going to have a UTIN. But what they did do was that it was not just a very hard and fast policy as well. They married that uh, that strict policy with huge awareness campaigns, huge educational campaigns. Uh, they went to, they had a lot of town halls. They spoke to the residents because the residents just didn't know about it. They didn't know too much about what was going to happen. They were very, you know, aggressive sometimes. Sometimes some of them were very uncertain. Uh, but they educated them on what this is about, how this can help. Mm. And the result of it is that they've managed to have uh, some pretty good success. I don't want to paint a, a, a you know a well, fairy tale picture oh, for you, but mm. they've had some success. With okay, it. but I I hear you. I do. And and in other parts of the world, the more progressive societies, these things take traction quicker, because the population is is more um, inclined. Let me use that term. I want to be nice here this morning. The population is more inclined to do these things simply because of how the population is conditioned. Now, it sounds real good. It, it really does that Osaki Town has been able to make these breakthroughs and condition their population and put the policies in place and obviously have the facilities to treat with waste that is separated. We don't have that here. And, and I've been very real in the discussion because there are a couple things that need to be put in place for, for even the most remote move in this um, in this direction to have any kind of impact will be successful. Number one, you need to have policies to, I don't want to use the term force, but to ensure that people comply. You, you spoke about, well, if the garbage not sorted, the garbage man ain't picking it up. That's one of the challenges that we're going to have to have. We, we need to put the policies in place. Number two, we need to get the population on board. Because if the population is not on board, you could have all the policies in place. It's not going to work. You'll have, you'll have problems. And then after that, do we have facilities in this country to treat with separated waste in order to recycle? The reason why I'm bringing all of these things up is um, we may get all the information. We may get all the guidance and, and, and all of those things. We may see how it has worked in other places. Are we doing anything here at home to head in that direction? And, and this has to be spearheaded by the administration, whichever administration is dealing with it. Do you think we have the political will to put some of these things in place? That might be an unfair question to ask you, because you're, you, you, you're just there to cover what's going on and to bring the information to us. But really and truly, who's listening to us this morning is confident that any administration is going to put all of these nice things in place? Yeah, I think you've struck the three, not, you know, a three, but the three very important points and, and, and three important questions that have to be answered and three important boxes that need to be ticked. I think, I don't think there's a fourth one. I think those are the three ones that really need to be asked and those boxes need to be ticked. And, and I'll tell you something, Satish, you're right, because I have been talking, I, I, I mean, I'm here in Japan, but I'm, I'm speaking to experts on sustainability and consultants on sustainability back home in Trinidad. I've been speaking to these guys all week and, and, and they're saying, maybe not in the same words as you are, but they're saying the same thing that you're saying. They're saying, you know, you can't penalize people in the country when you don't have the infrastructure. We can't, we're not ready for something like that because we haven't put in the infrastructure, we haven't put in the policies in place, you know, to really uh, help to, to begin uh, letting people help themselves. So you're right, you're very right in saying that. 
uh, a lot of these things that need to be put in place are not there as yet. And, and you, you make a very good point about the collection centers that you speak of that don't exist in the country just yet. But I will tell you, to my great surprise, uh, not only the collection center, but the recycling center uh, of which the plastics are, are separated and then the metals are separated into like 12 categories because you have aluminium, you have pots, you have hard uh, metal, you have all of these different things. That large facility, to my great surprise, was funded uh, by the Japanese government, but it's actually run privately. Uh, so you get what I'm saying, you know, it, it's a it's a public investment, but now it's it's handed over to a private company. Whether that can happen in a Caribbean country is left to be seen. But but you're asking all the right questions, um, you know, and 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 those are the things. Those are the boxes I I keep saying mm. that we need to tick if we're gonna if we're gonna really take this seriously and we're gonna take this somewhere. Well, the reason why I I posed those questions for the national, well, for the population to consider is I, I've spoken to persons from Swimcall. I've spoken to the, uh, as high up as you can get about our garbage collection and some of what they, they're doing at these landfills and, and all these things. And um, whenever we have those discussions, I am not convinced that there is the will. Or maybe let me not say the will, uh, but, but there is the ability for us to move in that direction. Nobody seems to care enough. Our population, we've seen when it comes to, to, to recycling, schools leading the charge. There are schools where you have these bins where you, you put glass on one side, you put paper and plastic on the other side and all that kind of thing. In the hope that we start grooming, uh, grooming here is a good term, not a bad one, grooming the, the, the younger generation to, to have those um, ideas in their mind so that you know, we could probably head in the right direction, but it's... It, it seems... I guess the challenge with that, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because it allows me to, I, I, um, before I jumped on onto this, onto this call, I was penning an op-ed that would publish in Sunday's Guardian. And, and essentially, what is the, what is, you know, what, what we have to be careful with is that, yes, we're encouraging students of these various schools to uh, recycle and to segregate their garbage into plastic, paper, and glass. But when they come out of the school system and they go to a government office or they go to a, a, a an office building or they're walking down the street you know <laughs> what do they they don't have that they don't have that facility to continue practicing what they've been learning in school and i think that's one of the challenges that's why i say that you know it really calls for an all of government approach mm. to encourage the private sector and to continue uh you know this into the public sector and then ultimately so my suggestion really is uh, you know is that uh you know we move towards uh, a place where all uh, government-run offices have the ability, uh, those recycled bins that you speak of that are in some schools, and then from there we can take it out of the uh, yeah. out of the government offices and onto the streets. Yeah, right. We, we are almost out of, well, not almost out, we are out of time because I do have some commitments before the news. But I'll tell you this, in my opinion, having have had discussions over the, the years, it's 13 years I'm sitting on this program, and we've discussed this so many times, if there's to be any sort of, of success or progress in this direction, I'm of the opinion this needs to be private sector driven with government support. That's the only way we could probably, because if you go out and sit around and wait for the government to put these policies and that kind of thing in place, 
Well, we may be discussing this for decades to come. I want to thank you so much for being with us here this morning and for giving us an insight into what's going on and how we plan to treat with some of these things. Thank you once again for being with us here, Ryan. Thanks very much, Satish, to you and to all of your listeners as well. Appreciate it. And that, of course, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Beichu from our sister station, CNC3, telling us about uh, uh, Japan and uh, how they, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to assist the world in treating with some of these things. Uh, at this point in time, I need to present to you your disaster preparedness tip. Hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, these natural disasters can devastate families and entire communities. That's why it's important to have a disaster plan in place before the unexpected occurs. So here's a disaster preparedness tip to help you stay calm, focused and safe in the event of a natural disaster. Have your hygiene supplies ready. Ensure you store your sanitation and hygiene supplies in a safe place. These include towelettes, body wipes, soap, hand sanitizer, washcloths and, and towels, toothpaste, toothbrushes, shampoo, combs, brush, uh, deodorants, razors, shaving cream, lip balm, insect repellent, heavy-duty garbage bags and ties for personal use and toilet paper, disinfectant and household chlorine bleach, feminine supplies, diapers, disposable supplies, um, and mirrors. That was a disaster preparedness tip to help you stay calm, focused, and safe in the event of a natural disaster. Stay tuned for another disaster preparedness tip right here on Freedom 106.5 FM.